0: Welcome to the Father's Four podcast, everyone. We're just four dads sitting around talking about how to be good dads. I'm Spencer Seal. I'm Trevor Beasley. I'm Brian Packer. And I'm Forrest Cole. In today's episode, we would like to talk about using affection in healthy ways. I imagine everyone here grew up with an affectionate
1: dad. Am I wrong? I definitely did, yeah.
2: I would say yes. I think that my dad sometimes can struggle at showing affection. He's kind of a, I don't know how best to describe him. So he's an accountant. So he's very like patterns, numbers, just robotic in a way. And that can come across as being a little bit cold and a little bit disconnected. Sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, he's not very great at like expressing his feelings and especially with some of my older siblings, he could come across as very stern, I guess you could say. Um, because he kind of just, yeah, struggles to express his, his feelings and thoughts and emotions in like an affectionate or compassionate way. But all, all things said and done, like I, he wasn't like purposefully being rude or, Did he show his
0: affections in other ways?
2: I think that the biggest way that my dad shows his affection, even still, is by like spending time with his Mm. kids. Um, Or at least like when, when I was younger, he would carve out time from his day to, you know, come to my football practice or my football game or... Uh, you know, we would go riding motorcycles together or whatever, like just spending time together and same with a lot of my other siblings, you know, he would go to their dances or their recitals or whatever. And that was him being present, um, was like a huge way that he showed his affection to all of his kids and just showed like, this is like, you mean enough to me that I'm willing to carve time out of my day leave work early, go in early, whatever. And, you know, be present at your things that are important to you because you're important to me. It's kind of funny to
1: see. Um, For me, I kind of forgot, you know, I, I graduated high school, left home, served my mission for the LDS church for two years, went off to college Got married, had kids. And so from the time that I left home and it was, you know, under the same roof as my dad until I had kids, it was like 10 years or something like that. I don't know. Um, but it, I would sort of forget the ways in which my dad would show affection or at least they became less familiar to me, not because he became less affectionate, just, but just because of distance, I wasn't living at home anymore. And I was living far from home, several States away. And so my exposure to my dad just inherently was less, but then I had kids and I hear myself saying the same things to them and um, showing affection to them the same way that my dad would to me. Um, and I caught myself doing it today when I was a kid and I totally forgot about this until I became a dad. Um, my dad used to tell me, I love you bigger than the stars. And I said that to my kid today <laughs> and I'm like, I, I would <laughs> never say that or come up with it on my own. And so it is a, a pattern and, um, for better or worse, we will take on, I mean, this, and this is obvious, but we'll take on the patterns of affection that we learned as children and and we'll use that when we're fathers Mm -hmm. so uh i don't know there's that puts some pressure on us because it's like oh crap am i gonna screw up my grandkids (laughs) because i'm (laughs) yelling at my kid and who's gonna yell at her kids
2: (laughs) yes the answer is yes
1: in some way right we'll always
2: Mm -hmm. uh
0: we're going to screw up in some way and our kids will (laughs) learn from it. I think for me, I've I've been sitting here trying to think, man, I think there's a few things. One, my grandfather wasn't a very physically or verbally emotional person, amazing person, amazing guy. And he showed his love and his feelings and in many other different ways. Um, And I think my mom inherited a little bit of that uh, physical and emotional distance as well. And then I inherited a little bit of that from her. Now, it's been really interesting because I think as a young man, I was very unaware of my own feelings, how to express my feelings. And I grew up kind of with a macho crowd, you know, so feelings were a weakness and... I'll never forget, like, the first time my best friend said he loved me. And I was like, what? <laughs> what did you just say? You know, take that back. <laughs> Get
2: out. Get out
0: now. <laughs> Way to make it weird. <laughs> um, and we were much older, right? We were probably in our 30s or something. But it was a, I think it was a big moment for both of us, right? To like be able to express this affection. <clears throat> my wife comes from, an incredibly affectionate family, right? Like verbally and physically. And so when we got married, I had a lot of catching up to do, let's say, you know, but I do find myself incredibly affectionate with my kids, which I, which I'm so happy about, right? I'm happy that, and I'm not that my mom wasn't affectionate with me. And maybe it was more about our adult relationship than it was about when I was a kid but it's just I'm, I, I'm happy that I'm able to be affectionate and say that I love you. And there isn't that sort of like antiquated notion of machoism that's like preventing me from, you know, like being that way. And I, forcing me to be some stern dad who's the, you know, I don't know. I'm, I don't, I'm failing at that word here, but um, – and I and I see it in my kids. I see them returning the affection and not being afraid of it, which I I really I'm happy and I think it's important that we be affectionate and and teach our kids affection.
2: I've been thinking while you were talking about how you feel like you you notice yourself giving and they're also seeing your, your kids give affection back. Um, and I feel like I'm curious and maybe Brian, you'll have an answer how that changes as your kids get older. Cause like for me with my kids being really young, like I still see them as like little babies in my eyes. And so Uh it's really easy for me to be like, you know, more affectionate and hugs and kisses. And, but then like, I'm thinking about, okay, when my kids are like, 17 18 19 that might be different you know that that viewpoint of them may be different because they're grown mm-hmm. and so i'm curious brian if that changes or if you still go bear hug your kids um,
3: <laughs> no i think i mean i think it does change as they get older and you're probably going to be fine because you have girls so <laughs> they're still gonna you know they're gonna hate me well yeah they probably will the same day by that point by 17 they probably will hate you yeah. <laughs> um no, I, I do see it like, and I see the difference between the two where Neil is more of the affectionate as, you know, person as even now, as far as like the, the, the touch where Riley is the don't touch me, you know, type <laughs> of, you know, okay. Yeah. You can tell me you love me. That's great. But don't, you know, he doesn't like the hugs as much. And that's kind of how my dad was too. He, I he, I knew he loved me. He said he loved me but he was less of the huggy, you know, as I, especially as I got older. Um, But then as grandkids came, that's when you saw him starting to really soften Mm. up and become and show more of that, you know, that, you know, that touch and so forth. And then, you know, in his latter, right there, you know, before he, his latter years there, before he died, he definitely became more of a, an emotional, you know, touch type of person. And so, Um, I think for all of us, it can go through, you know, lots of different stages where there's more or less depending on age, depending on situations that the family's in and so forth. I think there's there's quite a bit that that can dictate what's maybe going on at the moment.
0: As we as you guys were talking and I think about what I said, I mean, maybe what I was referring to was us a phase where like I wasn't interested in that sort of like physical or emotional touch. Cause I was, you know, like probably a teenager or young adult sort of, as you do, you rebel against a little bit against your parents and you like kind of want your distance and you don't want to feel smothered and all of that. And, you know, maybe my mom just responded to that. Cause you know, definitely as I've gotten older, that has changed. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, it's, I think this all comes down to love language.
3: Yeah. Do you, do yeah. you think you're like in your case for us the, with the younger kids and with Brooks' family being more affectionate or you didn't have that, is that where you think you kind of picked that up? Or, I mean, where, what did you kind of feel like that's, you know, come to play with, you know, your,
0: the way you handle it? I mean, I, th- I think it, brooks fa brook and brooks family definitely heightened what i what i had but i think i was already like i think my love language is more physical than verbal you know mm-hmm. like hugging and cuddling and these kinds of things versus expressing i was always sort of afraid to express myself you know it came more more down to fear than not wanting to um For what I don't know, I don't know what the reason why, but, but yeah, definitely. I mean, that family has had a huge influence on me in many ways, you know, because they're so different than my family. (laughs) 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 But yeah, but I mean, like coming back to what I said, love language, right? I think we have to understand what our love language is what our spouse's love language is and what eventually will be, or what is our kids and how that love language may change over time. Because I know, like, if I look at my grandfather, trying to like, you know, he wasn't, he never, he didn't really say I love you that much. He he wasn't like a hugger when I was an adult. Right. But he was very much a caretaker. Right took care of you he like made you dinner and you know just made sure you were good you know and and when I think about that like that's his love language you know and my wife's love language is verbal for sure
2: I'm trying to remember Brittany and I it was like in like the first year of our marriage my in-law's got us into it was them us and my brother and sister-in-law we all went through this uh i can't remember if it was i think it was called Gottman, maybe Gottman's five love language it's like a marriage course um and they had us do a love language test and i can't remember now what uh either Brittany. i think Britney's was mostly physical touch. And I want to say that mine was mostly words of affirmation. And but yeah, it was it was really interesting to go through because it was like three very different phases of marriage. We were like very newly wed, and then my brother and sister-in-law had been married for mm, I think it was like five or six years or something like that at that point, and then my in-law's they had been married for, I don't know, 20, 30 years, however long. So it was just interesting to see everyone's different perspectives when we talked about the love languages, but I had not, when you, when you brought that up, I hadn't thought about how a love language would correspond with how you show affection. That completely makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. It's yeah. really interesting. Here, I angle. just picked,
0: I just looked it up. So here are the five love languages. Number one, words of affirmation. So that was like the talk we were talking about. We were saying number two, quality time. Number three, receiving gifts. Number four, acts (laughs) of service. And number five, physical touch. It's really interesting. Um, Giving gifts is a love language. Did any of you have this love language? Oh,
2: no, no. <laughs> I want to say that it was like up there for me. Actually, I was think it was like the third or something like that. The second or third, huh. it was up there.
3: I mean, I love getting gifts and giving gifts, but we don't do a lot of it. I think we've always, yeah. I mean, we do for others, for our kids and that, but we always focus on them. I mean, I, yeah. I think that, I'd yeah. love
0: to get gifts. Yeah. I think this is interesting because I think one of my lung love languages used to be giving gifts. Hmm. Giving or giving?
3: Giving. giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Is it giving or getting?
3: It's receiving.
1: Receiving, <laughs> receiving gifts. But I think if you feel love by receiving a gift from somebody, uh, you probably express it by, by giving. giving. Yeah. 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 I bet you're right. Um, so, Robin lately, she has been on this huge kick of like asking, Hey, for Christmas, can I have this? For Christmas, can I have that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah. When is Christmas? <laughs> I really want a present. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, look, Christmas is not a long freaking time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we pretty much just had it. It's talking. Um, ten months. And, and so I kind of <laughs> have been thinking lately and Steph and I have talked about it. Like, yeah, one of her love languages, uh, love languages, um, gifts. And um, but I like we spoil Robin. like, holy crap. She has so much stuff. I need another gift yeah yeah and it's never enough i also noticed that um when i do something for like give her something it makes no difference in her desire to spend time with me or be obedient to me or (laughs) nice to me you know i get just like it's like just one just an avenue to get a gift yeah yeah and so but what i have noticed lately is that when i take the time to play with robin instead of just like supervising her Mm -hmm. that makes (laughs) a huge difference in her mood yeah and so i think her love language is quality time because Mm. like if i'm actively playing with her i'm on hands and knees playing horsey and doing all the stuff that she wants to do whatever she is way happier and she'll tell me dad i love you i love hanging out with you can we spend more daddy daughter time blah there blah blah, blah things like that and even though she asks for like a million gifts a day which gets pretty old um and when when we do give mm-hmm. in and like okay right here's a sucker whatever it is she's asking for it makes no difference to her
3: no like none. well like i is it i don't remember all the gifts as a kid you know that I was given as a kid, but I remember the, the one-on-one times with my mom or the one-on-one times with my dad or my, both of them together. Right. I remember not all of them, but I those strike a memory more than
0: what toy did I get? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I have a very similar experience with Fisher. Um, one of my favorite things to do when we lived in Utah was go to the thrift store and, you know, buy him like a dollar toy and we would do this every weekend but unfortunately, this created a sort of obsessive habit in Fisher that he expected every time we went to a store that I was going to buy him something. And this is something we've been battling with for a few years, and he gets very obsessed over getting things and gets really upset when we say no. But as soon as you do buy him something, 10 minutes later, he wants something else. Right? It's not about the thing. It's about just getting this like need to get something new. Right. But very similar to Spencer, the days where I take them up, like, you know, we've been going up to the mountains. We've been going frisbee golfing. We've been going out and doing these things multiple times a day. They'll say, this is dad. This is the best day ever. And I think there's a valuable lesson in that. Right. Because there's that quality time. They don't need things. They need you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they may not be able to say that. And they're going to continue to ask for things because that's in their nature now, unfortunately. Um, but once we can get past that and go and do fun things together and be outside or, you know, you know, we started going roller skating with them and ice skating and doing some of these fun things. And then while that does cost money, it's a different kind of
2: gift. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean yeah mm-hmm. I've been thinking about other ways that like either I was shown affection or that I show affection. and I think um, one of the ones that keeps coming back to me is just like offering support. Um, whether that's like I remember many times my mom and dad just being there to listen being there to, you know, hear me out on whatever stupid thing I was going through and offer advice and support. Um, and recently with Paisley, we've kind of had to get into that support role a little bit more. Um, cause at preschool she has been, she's got this friend, I guess you could say this little girl who, um, I guess is kind of a bully, And she has two like twin older brothers. And so she's just kind of grown up needing to be more assertive and, you know, just to be able to play with them, basically. And so in preschool, she is very like bossy and like, oh, you can't play with us or you you have to be the dog. You can't be the mom, you know, just very everything has to be her way. And so Paisley has been very like shut out feeling. And so she has been like, I don't want to go to preschool because this girl doesn't want me there. So we have just been like, what do we even do? So we've, you know, tried to talk to her about, well, you know, if you just go play your own game, I'm sure you'll have other friends that will come play with you or you can, you know, talk to the teacher. And so like, we've had to sit down with her and kind of get into that support role more. But in doing that, it's like brought her a lot closer to us because we are like understanding her situation. We've had a lot of talks about like different things at school and she's opened up a lot more and been willing to talk about like what she plays at school and what people say to her. And whereas before, like it was just like, how was your day at school? Oh, it's good. What'd you do? I don't remember. Like that was always what she would say. (laughs) So it's it's been something that's sucked that she's already going through that, but it's been like an opportunity for both Brittany and I to support her and kind of show affection in that way. So.
0: I like that. I like, you know, in something that it's just about giving her the space, you know, it's about talking to her, showing you her showing her your affection and your understanding of what's going on. And, you know, eventually she'll open up about it, which I think is like really cool, you know?
1: How do you think that affection, like too, too much affection, when does affection become a vice?
3: When they run away from you and you come to try to give them a hug. I don't know. No, I was kidding. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I kind of look no, forward to that day when I can like embarrass my kids and try to like, right. you know, go <laughs> go call, call their friends. Like one of those dads in yeah. like a TV
0: show or movie that like show up to the school with some like crazy outfit on. Yeah. And be like, <laughs> Right. On. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love Robin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. When the guys
3: come to pick up the,
0: your girl for a date and they, I wonder embarrass the heck out yeah. of him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I wonder if it's when that affection is disguised as something else. Like Ooh. is that affection, you know, disguised as helicopter parenting? Is that affection, you know, disguised as like a level of control or something like that? You know, then maybe it's too much. I mean you know, I think kids I mean, I guess maybe like if you were hugging and kissing them all the time, even out of love, they might get tired of it, you know, but.
2: That's a good point, though. I know I'm definitely guilty of like using affection as like a strategy or a leverage point to with, with an agenda in mind, like kind of like what you were saying, Spencer, like here's this thing because I want this, like, Mm -hmm. here's, here's this sucker because (laughs) I really just want you to shut up while I walk through the store or or whatever. And so, yeah, definitely I have fallen victim to that a number of times where I'm showing affection and yeah, like I definitely mean it. Like I'm not like here's a sucker, even though I hate you. Like, it's there, but I also have an agenda behind it
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I can I can see that um i I wonder about the long term effects of affection like I almost feel that there's and there are people that would, I'm sure will disagree with this, but I feel like there is a point in a child's development where they should grow out of the kind of affection that parents and children exchange. You know, like, Hey, I love to just wrap my arms around my kids and just smother them in kisses. I do. I'm not going to do that when my son is 17. You know, I, I just don't see the, World where that, yeah,
0: what, if, what what it what about Robin at 17?
1: You know, and, and to like, I just I feel differently about it with my daughter, yeah. and I, you know, it, I guess it's a gender thing,
2: gender um, probably plays a role, in it. I'm sure, yeah, I yeah. Think it does. yeah for sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, if um, I use
0: my in laws, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but you know, no, if I no, think about please. my father in law, you know, oftentimes I'll walk into the playroom and like four of his girls will be like. You know, curl like sort of like uh, snuggled up to him on the couch or something like that. But you don't ever see that with his like son, right? It's usually like a sort of like bro hug kind of thing or, or different. And I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe that's necessary or important to think about those kind of, you know, father son uh levels of affection as they get older, or the method of affection right it could can be something totally different, you know it could be sitting down with them and giving them advice on something and and that is very much affection right
1: yeah yeah i mean i I definitely saw a change in the type of affection that my dad would give me, you know father to son, I mean as a child, I remember him holding me. Um, the only time I ever really remember him holding me as an adult was like when I History. screwed up, <laughs> I wish I saw <laughs> oh, my dad, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, um, it was like, if I like screwed up, like when I hurt my shoulder yeah. real bad yeah. and and had an operation and, and you're like, like, dad, you're squeezing too hard. Or- <laughs> you know, no, I remember one time I was taking the painkillers that they gave me after the <laughs> um, after my surgery, and I was like throwing up violently, and it hurt my shoulder so bad to puke. And my dad would like, like, just kind of sat by me, just like held mm. me and like held the pole. <laughs> this is, that sounds like a really disgusting story, but it did happen. It was very That's lo- that is love. It is, it yeah. Is. I mean, is yeah. I, mean, I think you're right. I mean, I yep. think as
0: we talked about in the beginning, affection for everyone will probably change over time, and you know, maybe. Maybe when, you know, maybe when I get, when I, when my dad gets older and maybe when he's like nearing the end of his life, maybe that affection will be even more different, right? Like, I don't know. It's interesting to think. It's, that's a really interesting thought to think about.
1: And uh, kind of on that same topic, like it, um, you're our everyday You know, the mundane aspects of life don't call for, uh, you know, these overt, you know, statements of affection, you know, um, but big moments tend to like trigger our, our default method. Right. So, I mean, I, I do think that my dad, even though he's not particularly touchy, he told me that, um, when his brother died, he had a brother who passed away cancer. Both of his brothers actually are, are um, dead from cancer. He told me that when his um, brother took his last breath in the hospital bed, he sat by him and held his hand. And I don't think I've ever even seen my dad hold my mom's hand. Uh, maybe I have, I don't. Know, but it didn't stick out, but he, <laughs> that's just not his style. He's just not interesting. You know, as he's grown older, but you know, when big moments, big, you know, things, events, um, I think, trigger a, a, a default method, maybe. I don't know.
0: I absolutely. I,
2: I think so. That's interesting. So what's our, uh, what's our takeaway?
0: <laughs> uh, affection is evolving, always evolving for everyone involved. And I think we also have to know that other person's love language is so that we can, you know, we don't want to force an uncomfortable affection on them. Right. Um, so yeah, that's my it's important that's my to takeaway.
3: understand. Yeah. It's important to understand the the differences and there's going to be multiple ways that they want to see it, you know, in your home, depending on the person. So understanding and how and then learning how to, how to do it and how to show it.
2: I think uh, what Spencer was just kind of touching on, um, just how the mundane, uh, just our, our normal everyday life doesn't necessarily call for affection. And so if you want to improve how you show affection or even just start to show affection, it, takes an action. It means that you have to kind of step outside of the mundane everyday patterns and take an action. And so I think that that's something that if you're listening to this and thinking, how can I be better at that just starts with being aware of it and then taking a step. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think listening, like listening to your kids, one example that I have is um, at bedtime for whatever reason, while, while ago, maybe even a year ago, I started kissing him on the cheek instead of like giving a kiss on the lips. And August at one point was like, dad, why are you kissing me on the cheek all the time? You know? And in his way, he was saying like, I miss like the more sort of like father, like a more sort of like, I mean, I mean, intimate, you know, I guess, you know? And, and, and so I was like, Oh, that's, that's a really good point, you know, and I don't want him to think that that's somehow a message. Right. And so I, I needed to listen to him and, and make changes. And I think the same goes for a spouse, right? You have to listen to what they're asking or, or not asking, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and pay attention to those kinds of affections and, and not be afraid Yeah. Amen to that. Good points. Awesome, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Fathers 4 podcast. We're really happy you joined us. If you would, please follow us on YouTube and Instagram at the Fathers 4. Thanks so much.
2: Bye. Later.